One Hope Church. Let's keep going with that. So that's good news. I do want to say uh, this morning as well that, you know, we made this decision to not meet in person this morning at our normal location, um, not out of fear. Um, and, and we did not make that decision out of fear, but we made that decision out of um, love for our neighbors. And there's a really big difference between the two. You might come to the same conclusion or might make the same decision, but whether you make your decisions in life um, out of fear or you make them out of love for God and for your neighbors, is a, there's a really big difference between those two things. Um, so let's always look to make our decisions out of love um, and not not based on on fear. So um, this morning we're going to continue uh, through the Gospel of John. We finished chapter five um, yesterday. We've seen some amazing things in the book as um, Christ has come um, to the earth in order um, to be the word. Uh, made flesh um, and to be the light of the world. And he is going to um, to show us his way. And in his way, there is light and there is life. Um, there is life um, in the name of Jesus. And so as you continue in the book in chapter three, John um, records this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader but he was a religious leader who didn't really know God, but he did want to know God different than many of the Pharisees. There are many of the religious leaders in the day of Jesus who were only doing what they did for their own personal gain, uh, wealth and power. Nicodemus had a sincere heart. And so he went to Jesus and, and asked him, um, you know, basically trying to find, figure out who this Jesus really is. And through that, he comes to realize that Jesus' claim is that Jesus um, is the Son of God and that he is um, the way to eternal life, that there is eternal life in his, in his name. And we'll see more of Nicodemus um, as we continue in the Gospel of John. And then Jesus has his encounter with the woman at the well where he knows all about her life. Um, he exposes the truth about her, not to demean her or to belittle her, but to deal with reality so that um, she could then be in relationship with him, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And then in chapter five, we see a confrontation between Jesus um, and the Pharisees. So many people think between John chapter five and chapter six, we have a, a gap in time of five or six months. And so... Let's read, um, we're going to read John chapter 6 this morning, um, the first set of verses for that, and we'll begin to discuss. Um, So we're at John chapter 6, and before we read that, let's go to the Lord um, in prayer. So Heavenly Father, we come to you now, we thank you for the privilege to be here um, this morning. And Lord, though we wish we could be together in person, face to face, uh, we're thankful for technology. We're thankful to have the opportunity to gather this morning um, around our our tablets and and iPhones or um, whatever device a person has and and to be able 
um, to look into your word together. So I ask that you would bless our time and please give us understanding of your word. Thank you for each one and each family joining us today and those who will watch later. And we ask that you would bless each one in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So um, we're here, John chapter six, and I'll re- begin in verse one. It says, after these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. Um, a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. And now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. And therefore Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves he had given thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also the fish as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. And so want to just uh, make a few comments on this this morning. I think this is really a great passage considering, you know, the COVID-19, um, you know, crisis uh, that we have. Um, and one of the things I want to see in here, because, you know, many people are, are worried about, you know, provision, uh, particularly those whose um, jobs are in jeopardy um, or who may lose a, a lot of money in, in the coming weeks. And, and, you know, it could get bad for a lot of people if this continues on, um, not for days or weeks, but for months, it, it could be um, really, you know, significant. And so just imagine being here with Jesus. You know, many people are following him. There's this huge crowd now that has found out where he is and, and they all gather and they're so intent on going to to find Jesus and to, to hear him and to see him that they don't bring um, adequate provisions, you know, for them, for them to be there for a while. And so it's getting toward dark. There's, um, there, there's not a, a market there. There's not a, a lot of food present there in a, in a deserted place. Um, and they don't have food. And so Jesus knows he's going to use this as an opportunity to teach his disciples and to show the people his power. Um, so he asked Philip and he says, you know, that's where are we to buy bread so that these may eat. And, and Philip, you know, being the human that he is initially looks at it, um, from the perspective of, okay, we have limited resources here. We don't have enough money for this. This would be really expensive. If there was a market here, this would be really expensive to do. And so then Simon, um, Peter's brother, Andrew comes and says, well, we have one boy here. You know, he's got five little loaves of bread and he's got two fish. 
Um, but what are these for so many people? Kind of like these, this is, you know, we've checked with the people and of, out of the thousands of people that are here. Now, this is important for the for under, for the understanding. It says there's 5,000 men plus women and children. So, you know, you're talking probably, you know, a, a much larger crowd than 5,000 people. Um, I, I think that you're talking well over 20,000 people, perhaps many more than that. Um, you know, if, if you know, the, the women and the wives and, and the children, um, you know, birth rates probably a good bit higher back then. Uh, in that context, then from where many of you are watching, you know, today, um, so it could be many more people. And so there's, they just don't have enough except for the fact that they have Jesus. And the huge lesson here is if you have Jesus, um, you have more than enough. Um, Jesus is awesome, um, and powerful. And so he has the people sit down, um, in groups, uh, Jesus instructs his disciples, you know, have the people sit down in groups. We, we know from the other gospels, this is, this account is in all four gospels. Um, and so we know that they, they sat down in groups of 50 and groups of a hundred. Um, and there's some other lessons here, you know, as Jesus takes the bread, uh, he takes the fish, he, he blesses it, he prays, and then he starts to divide it. And there's this supernatural multiplication of the food that happens. So on the miracle side, it's all God. On the miracle side, it's all God. But on the human side, there's still some things that the humans had to do um, in the situation. One of the things that the humans had to do in the situation was they had to be organized. They had to have the people sit down in the groups of 50 um, and 100, and they had to organize. And then they had to... Take the food that Jesus, you know, cr um, created or multiplied there, and they had to divide that among the people. So they had to divide divide that, and so by dividing that, um, they did work. You know, they had to, to. Okay, sorry for the glitch there. They had to distribute um, and to. Um, you know, collect that, you know, that food and, and to do their part um, in the work. Um, and so in this situation, as we're dealing with COVID-19, you know, there is an application there that while we obviously are going to pray and ask God to to work and, um, you know, we need to, we we're asking in some cases to work, you know, miracles for people as we often do, but we're also asking, um, you know, God to help us, to give us wisdom in our decisions to know what we should do. In addition, in addition to that, beyond our, our asking for wisdom, what to do, there are practical things that we need to do. And there are opportunities here um, to help um, our neighbors. So one of the things we have in Athens, Georgia is, you know, we have a, a large number of, of kids, which, you know, there's a whole lot I could say about this. It's a sad situation where we have many kids that are considered to be food insecure who rely on being at public school in order to get uh, many of their meals. Every every kid in our county, because we have such a high percentage of, of kids that need um, services, that every kid in our county can get a free breakfast and free lunch at, at public school. Um, we shouldn't say free. I mean, obviously, that's being paid for um, by tax dollars. But, you know, it's provided is the point. It's provided and it doesn't cost the kids um, 
And so that's an important thing. So our community has just asked for 35 volunteers um, every day in order to help distribute that food. Well, that's a great opportunity for the church. That's a great opportunity for followers of Jesus to get in there and to take some of those slots to volunteer and to be out there um, and to to serve and to love our neighbors. Um, and so that's something that we want to do here, just as Jesus had the disciples um, distributing the food when he fed, you know, the thousands of people. Um, God will use us to distribute, you know, what we have. The, the huge lesson here in all of this is, you know, I think many times, whether it's COVID-19 or some other crisis, there's a hurricane, there's um, an, an earthquake somewhere in the world. There's um, many times we just feel so small and we feel so inadequate. We want to be able to help in some grand way, but we're unable to um, because of the magnitude of the situation. And what I would um, encourage us, uh, us today is that God is not looking for you to have all the supplies. God actually has a supplies. The scripture says he has a, you know, he has a cattle on a thousand hills. So like the Lord has the supplies. We don't have to have the supplies. We just have to take the little that we have and be willing to sacrifice it so that Jesus can multiply. So the, the little amount of your resources, the little amount of your time, the little amount of your physical strength or mental Capacities, And I say little because even those of us who have the most in the grand scheme of the problems of the world, we have little. Yet God can use our little for great good. Um, and there's another part here that I want to go. Um, we're going to pick up after, um, you know, Jesus has fed the 5,000. It says in verse 15. So per, Jesus perceiving that they were intent. Okay. Sorry. We're back. All right. My wife is reminding me of uh, words from our brother Pepe down in Mexico. He used to tell us all the time, be flexible, adaptable, and consumable for God's glory. Um, and so we're trying to be that here this morning. So in John chapter, chapter 6, and we're about to pick up in verse 15, but I need to go back to verse 14 real quick. Is it, We end with the feeding of the 5,000 5, men plus women and children, so well over 20,000 people. Verse 14, when therefore the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is of a truth, the prophet who is coming to the world. And so they believed that he was the prophet that Moses had talked about in the book of Deuteronomy, that God had said to Moses that from among them, he would raise up a prophet like Moses. And so here the people are making that connection, saying he is you know, the prophet, he is, you know, the one. And then it says in verse 15, Jesus, therefore, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, that's really um, important because they were going to make him king once they perceived he was the prophet. Well, if he's the prophet, he can also, you know, just like Moses had freed the people um, God had used Moses to free the people from slavery out of Egypt, that could Jesus be the one that would save them in this time from Roman oppression? Remember that the Roman Empire was ruling Israel um, at this time and had possessed the land. So, you know, many of the devout 
um, you know, Jewish people at the time of Jesus are looking for a Messiah King to come to free them from Roman oppression. They're not looking for Jesus, you know, to go to the cross, to die, to be the savior of the world, you know, in a, in a huge global sense. They are looking specifically for the Messiah to come to save them, the Jewish people, from their Roman oppressors. Like, that's what they're, they're looking for and wanting, you know, to have. Um, and so what they're, what they're asking for. So Jesus knows it's not the right time because it's not the time for him to go to the cross and he's not just going to let them make him king, um, you know, in the wrong timing. So Jesus is king, but there's a right time to display his kingship and, um, the time that's not right to display his kingship. And so now's not the time. So he withdrew to the mountain by himself alone and then verse 16, it says, now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and after getting into a boat, they started to cross um, the sea to Capernaum and it had already happened, become, it had already become dark and Jesus had not yet come to them and the sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. When therefore they had rowed about three or four miles, they beheld Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. They were willing, therefore, to receive him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. The next day, the multitude stood on the other side of the sea. So there was no other small boat there except one. And that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the multitude therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life which the son of man shall give to you for on him, the father, even God has set his seal. They said, therefore to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus in answer to said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Okay. There's a lot here. I'm going to break this down. Um, just a, a few really important points. Don't want to keep you here. Um, a really long time this morning, but there's some stuff here that we really need to get into that's, that's so important. The first is, you know, when Jesus walks on water again, you know, it's a supernatural, um, ability that he has. This is his deity, um, showing forth. Um, and it's a sign to his disciples that he is, you know, truly the, the Messiah. Um, but you know, you can imagine them being out in the boat in a storm and they see someone, you know, walking, towards them that would frighten anyone there's many things in life that can be can be frightening um and, and many of us have been afraid you know we know what fear is but jesus says to them it is i do not be afraid jesus isn't um one that his disciples should fear now there is a place to fear him for those who don't believe in him, in him. um you know we'll see that um but for those who believe in him, there's not a reason to fear him because, you know, he, he is our savior and king and he is good and he, he does good for, for us. Um, 
you know, certainly when he was in the temple with a whip driving out those who were trying to profit um, um, off the temple, um, there was reason to fear him then, you know, for those people that were his, you know, his enemies. Um, and so, it, you know, the, the question there is not who Jesus is, but who are you in relation, you know, to him, whether he is friend or foe. Um, but you can easily um, have him as friend if you believe in him um, as savior um, and king. But as we see throughout the scriptures, there are those who make themselves um, his foe. Now, he loves them as well. Um, as he ta taught us, not just to love those who love us, but also to love our enemies. And he showed the ultimate display of love for his enemies and for us who were once enemies uh, through his death on the cross. Um, and so there's another part in here where Jesus says, once the, all the crowd goes back over and finds Jesus, and he says to them, you seek me because you ate of the loaves and were filled. And I think this is a really important word for today. You know, there's a there's a common teaching basically called the prosperity gospel. Um, it's this teaching that is very popular all over the world that if you believe in God, if you have Jesus, you know, you're going to have an easy life. Trouble will not come. You'll be healed of any disease uh, that you have. Any problems that you have will go away if you have enough faith and you'll be wealthy. Well, that is. A, a false teaching and a problem. Now, many people say, well, I don't believe all of that, but what I'm going to, what I propose to you today is that that teaching has infected pretty much every follower of Jesus and, I mean, true followers of Jesus and every true Bible teaching church in the world pretty much. And, and this is how I know that is because when people are faced with adversity in life, they usually respond with a great shock. Like this was not supposed to happen to me because I follow God. And how could I be the one who got this disease? How could I be the one who got cancer? How could I be the one who's going through these financial struggles? How could I be the one going through these relational problems? And they have this great shock when life takes a turn for the worse. And their faith gets shaken because they have either overtly or inadvertently bought into some of that prosperity gospel that if, you know, if they toe the line, if they do what is, what is right before God, then that God won't let any adversity happen to them. And folks, what I'm, what I'm looking to, to, to remind us of this morning is that Jesus suffered great adversity. And all of his first disciples suffered great adversity. And that was not an indicator of whether or not they were right with God or whether God loved them or not. Of course, God loved them. The key for us is to be, is to understand the words of Jesus where he says, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. So our perspective is that, that there's an, an eternal food that we can have, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. So there's an eternal bread, there's an eternal cup that is available to us in Jesus. And we can have that. 
And so, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you do have that. And that is what sustains you. That's what you're to be looking to in all situations, and particularly in situations of adversity. Not looking just for the, the easy way out. I mean, of course, we all, we're human. We pray that when we're going through difficulty, the problem would go away, right? And so, and, and I'm not saying not to pray for that. Of course, we should pray for God's deliverance in, in many of our situations. But my point is, whether that deliverance comes right away or a long time or we don't see it in our lifetime, God is still good. And that should not alter our faith in him. That if we, you know, Jesus said, if you build your life on his teachings, then your life is built on the rock. And when the storms come, you'll stand firm. Jesus says you're going to have storms. And so this is where leaving the prosperity gospel behind, denying it as a false doctrine is important. And just reading the New Testament and seeing what Jesus endured and seeing what um, his disciples endured so that your faith will not be shaken in times of adversity. We can get this from, from this passage. And, and here's the last thing. You know, Jesus answered and said to them, because they said, they said this question. They said, therefore to him, what shall we do that may, we may work the works of God? He's at, they're asking, how can we be right with God through our works? And what Jesus answers is the work of, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. You see, the, the way to God is not by doing enough good. You know, you're not going to earn your way to heaven through, you know, being a good person during COVID-19 and, you know, distributing food or, or helping, you know, others or giving your money away. Like that's how, not how you're going to be right with God. That should be a result of being right with God, but it doesn't make you right with God. The work that you have to do to be right with God is to believe in him whom he has sent. You know, later on, Jesus is going to say he's the way in John chapter 14, six, he says, Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but by me, Jesus makes a, a claim that he is the way to the father. He is the way to right relationship with God. Belief in him is necessary. You see, and there's something different. Jesus said about the food, you know, there's a, when I eat food, I'm going to get today, you know, I'm going to get hungry again. And the longer the time passes, the more hungry I'm going to get. But Jesus gives a sustaining, permanent, all filling bread that is himself. You see, once you come to Jesus, you know, you know we don't, we, we want to walk with him continuously. We don't have to get saved every day. You know, you're going to get, you're going to be in right relationship, come into right, right relationship with him, you know, in faith. And that's going to be a one-time deal that is sealed by the spirit of God. It's finished. It's done. God saves you and he maintains your salvation, but he also makes you a new creation. And then you're going to want to do the things that please God. If you don't want to do the things that please God, then you have to question whether you were actually saved in the first place, whether you actually came into eternal life, whether you actually took the bread of life. Because if you've taken up, if you've taken the bread of life, if you have Jesus, if Jesus has taken up his residence in you as his temple, then he's going to naturally 
change our purpose and our priorities and our perspective on life. And so that's what I want to leave you with this morning is that, that Jesus is the one who we need to be pointing people to in these times of adversity, because here's the reality. It says there's going to be, you know, don't work for the food, which perishes. Scripture also tells us there's something else that perishes our flesh. It says we are, you know, we're like grass who springs up and is burned out by the afternoon sun. You know, I, and I hate to be, you know, the one who's like the bearer of bad news this morning, but if COVID-19 doesn't kill you, something else will like something is, I mean, unless Jesus comes back first, every person is going to die of something. You have a fatal disease that was brought on by sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve back in the garden that that brought forth death, eventually a physical death. And more importantly, if not made right with God through Jesus Christ, an eternal spiritual death, death is separation. Physical death is separation of your spirit from your body. Eternal spiritual death is to be eternally separated from fellowship with God. That's the worst sort of death a person can have. But, you know, just understand it. Like something is going to get you eventually. Like just the sands of time are going to run out. A disease could take you prematurely. An accident can take you, you know, prematurely in terms of normal life expectancy. But every one of you, including myself, like we're all going to die unless Jesus comes back. Like death is guaranteed. Like I can't guarantee you a lot of things in life, but I can guarantee you that I'm going to die and that you're going to die unless Jesus comes back first in terms of a physical death. I can guarantee you that. And so are you ready for that? And, and this is my hope in this time and prayer in this time of COVID-19. I don't want people to die from it. You know, I want people to, I want us to handle it well and for it to do the minimal impact as possible. Right. And that's why we're doing what we're doing because we love our neighbors and we want what's good for them. But I hope that COVID-19 would cause people to evaluate and say, I am weak and fragile. Every human is. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how strong you are, how privileged you are none of those things matter how much doesn't matter how much money you have you are going to die and everybody around you is going to die at some point are you ready are you are you ready you know will you go and be with god when the inevitable happens have you done the work that god has asked you to do, and that is to believe in him who he has sent. John chapter 6, verse 29. John chapter 6, verse 29. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Like that's the call in this, all of this concern of COVID-19, the call beyond the practical physical things is this much larger spiritual reality where we need to be asking people, if the worst happened, are you ready are you prepared? People need Jesus more than anything else. So my encouragement this week is love your neighbors, like do good for people, volunteer where you can, you know, feed the kids in our community, in our you know public schools, go and volunteer and, and do what is needed to be done. And all of those situations, like God bless you as you go and do that and take the opportunities that this crisis presents to share the love of Jesus 
and the message of Jesus that in him there is life and life eternal. Uh, and that'll change people's lives. You know, people want, are always talking about we want our society to be different. Like we want our society to be more loving. We want our society to be more just. We want more kindness in our society. We want people to treat each other better. We want, you know, relationships to be ongoing. All of these things. And, and ultimately the answer is in Jesus himself. Jesus is the one who can actually do all these things because he changes people's hearts. He gives the capacity to love not just one's loved ones or those who love you back, but he gives the capacity to even love one's enemies. Like Jesus gives us the capacity to fulfill God's will for our lives. So I just want to give you guys some encouragement, you know, as you're this week, perhaps, um, you know, you're going to be alone more. Well, now's a great opportunity to just to, to read a lot of the Bible. Um, take one of the gospels, read one of the whole, you know, one of the gospels, um, through over the next couple of weeks. That's a great challenge. Um, you know, the, the book we have on, um, at the feet of the King through Matthew chapter five through seven on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus instructions on how we should live. Um, a great opportunity to get, um, rolling in that. Um, let me know if you're, if you're interested in, in getting a copy of that. I'll give you a, a link. Um, there's a, a lot of things that, that you can do to, you know, prayer. It, if you have more time, uh, you know, you got to work from home, so you didn't have to drive. Well, take that commute time that you would have had those, whether that's 15 minutes or an hour or whatever it is that you would have had in the car that day. Um, spend it in prayer, uh, for your loved ones, for your community. Um, for our, our nation, for the world, um, pray for the gospel to go forward in every place. Like let's use, um, the opportunity that this, um, kind of shake up in life presents, um, to really be at our, on, on our faces before Jesus and then take Jesus, um, to people. And that might be, um, through some texts you need to send to some people, through some phone calls you need to make, um, you know, some emails, whatever it is, but, but get in touch with people, let them know you love them and that you care for them and that you care about them here and now physically, but also, you know, their spiritual, um, health and, and in the life to come. And, you know, um, I'm just gonna share this last thing, a little personal note. I got to go to a wedding, um, here recently and, um, as you know, I've got family because, you know, that are, are missionaries and that, um, you know, have lived in other countries and our, our families just kind of spread out, you know, all, all over the place. And so because of that, there's been, you know, you, not, we don't have like the family reunions that are, that are typical. Um, you know, we miss a lot of people in, in those sort of family gatherings. Um, and, and so I was, as, as I got to see some of them, I was really thankful for to get to see some people I hadn't seen some loved ones I hadn't seen in a long time. Some I've just you know, I've only seen them on Facebook, you know, like the, the next generation sort of deal. Um, and it's been a lot of years, uh, for some people, but, and, and so it was a happy, but also kind of like a little bit of a sense of loss of, you know, those connections, um, you know, how more closely I could be connected with some of those cousins and things like that. If we had lived in the same area. Um, but then I thought, I was like, you know, for those of us who have Jesus, we have, we have all of eternity. You know, we have, we're going to have all of eternity to fellowship and to connect and a day like today where with our church families, we didn't get to go and, and hug, um, you know, shake hands, hug, kiss on the cheek, whatever it is you do in your culture. Um, you know, we didn't get to do that. 
this morning. And there's a sense of loss from that. But, and so it gives gratitude for when we are back together, we're going to have those opportunities to do that more and more. Um, when this, once this passes, and I think we'll value that more. Um, to be at the Lord's table and to take the bread and the cup together, we're going to value that more. Um, but it also helps us to look forward to eternity where you know, we're going to get to sit and, and talk and you know we're going to know each other on such a deep, um, deep level forever and ever for those who are in Jesus. And so we want, you know, more and more people to, to know Jesus. And, you know, we talk about flattening the curve in this situation, right? We don't want, you know, COVID-19 to spread as rapidly to as many people if you slow it down and then people have immunity and then, you know, the system, healthcare system doesn't get overwhelmed and all these things is why we're doing what we're doing, you know, trying to flatten that curve. And if you haven't read an article about that, you can read an article about that. But in a spiritual sense, don't we need to flatten the curve? Uh, and how do we do that? We do that by being faithful to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone that we can. That's how you flatten the curve in an eternal sense. So let's take advantages that we have to flatten that curve forever and ever through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. And um, yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, your love for us. We thank you for your the words, um, Jesus, for your words in John chapter six that are so powerful. And we pray that we would encourage people to do the work that you've asked them to do, which is to believe in you, Jesus. Um, and that is the work of God. And then you work in us and through us and you change us. So then we want to do the rest of the good things that we're supposed to do. Help us to love you fully this week and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Help us to seek to do good in every situation and in our seeking to do good and to do justice and mercy and love that we would do so fully in your name, Jesus, and in your gospel, and that people would know the why behind what we do so that the curve could be flattened eternally as more and more people put their faith in you, dear Jesus. May it be so by the power of your Holy Spirit. Please work, dear God. We ask you to please work in your name, Jesus. We ask it. Amen.